So, here we are. Hi, hello. Where are we? Where are we? Well, this is the uh, Working Class JK Moto Podcast Rolling Stable Studio. Rolling Stable Studio. Yep. I like it. Packed with uh, every, everything you could ever want or need in one unit. Can haul motorcycles and can host a podcast, so you know what else do you need in life? I think that's about it. Yeah. More than two wheels, though. More than two wheels. Well, we got something to talk about. We got some things to talk about. So let's roll that intro. Intro. Sounds good. Yesterday at one point, I was in six. And alive. We are alive. I, I think. You didn't do the good introduction this time. No, I didn't. Do we need to do that? Yeah, you were supposed to do the... Yeah, come on. Uh, hey, welcome back to JK Moto Podcast, a motorcycle podcast for the average everyday motorcycle rider and track goer and club racer. Now, that's kind of everything that we're covering. Hosted by your team from Working Class Customs, the uh, number one custom fabrication shop for all of your... Ask him. That's what he said. Yeah, ask him. ask him. He'll explain the rest. <laughs> this is episode 29. Welcome back. Episode 29. I don't have something in front of me showing me that, so I'm glad you're counting. I, I just checked, so we're good. All right. Fair enough. Well, we had a an eventful weekend. We did. Less eventful for us than some others. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> the way you put that, yeah. Took me a second. Yeah, we'll say uh, I'm not going to, we're not going to lie to you guys. We're not still at Carolina Motorsports Park. Uh, we are in the rolling stable well, We have studio. left the racetrack. We are not at the racetrack anymore, but we figured this was a good place to do it since we're both together. Not very often you get us both together, and uh, we did just finish up a two-day at Carolina Motorsports Park. There'll be some videos of that coming out, so make sure you're checking those out. And while you're there, while you're here, if you're on YouTube, go ahead and click that subscribe button, click the like button, or, you know, if you don't like the video, you can dislike it also. We always say like it, but I guess technically... Your opinion's your opinion. It's there for a reason, so dislike it if you want to. You should dislike it, though. Uh, and then leave us some comments. Let us know how we're doing, how you're doing, where you're from. I keep saying that, and no one's told us that they're not from America yet, so. No, oh, some people have. On the YouTube video? Uh, not all comments come through the YouTube video. All right, well, no one's texted me, so I don't know anything, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, Carolina Motorsports Park. Where do you want to? Where do you want to start? Carolina Motorsports Park. So, my first time, your first time, mm -hmm. first time at the facilities. Uh, anything other than checking a few YouTube videos and looking at a track map, we're getting quite good at first times at tracks, and yeah. you never know quite what to expect. So. Yeah, I think we, I think we've seen a uh, full range. You know, a full range of uh, what you can expect. We might just know what is available to be expected now right i don't know sure. if we know how to expect it but first impressions pulling into the facility pretty good kind of mediocre you know it was it was interesting because uh we pulled in in this the motorhome and the dude at the gate you know we filled out the same paperwork that every racetrack has okay cool got some wristbands yep and then he said all right you're in site 12 and i saw him get on a radio and call someone and say motorhome for site 12. I was like, okay. So I start going, and here pops this golf cart. And that's like very kind of like campground-esque. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, well, that's that's pretty good. Right. Normally a racetrack's just like, good luck, go find a spot. But we did reserve a camp spot there. Uh, it had full hookups. So that was cool. And then I wasn't, like, at, at the beginning, I wasn't super impressed. It wasn't until later when we started kind of walking around and actually seeing, you know, that they had showers in the bathrooms. That was, I didn't use them, but... Right. That's different. Not yeah, dishwashers there too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, dishwashers in the bathrooms. You know, it, I I didn't see it in the men's bathroom. We just got word that the women's bathroom had a dishwasher in it. So. Well, where else would you put a dishwasher? <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh. Well, anyway. You might need to edit that. My impressions. Mm -hmm. Pulling in. It's a beautiful area. Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty. And I was I was laughing at you. So all we ever hear. All we ever hear about this track before going is there's no elevation. There's no elevation. You're going to hear probably a lot about that. Yep. We uh, are going to talk about that. Because we were just expecting to see this this alfalfa field with a track cut in it that's been laser leveled by 
you know, modern technology. Yeah, well, because literally, like, every time I've seen a video, I hadn't seen as many trees as there actually are there. Absolutely. So I just I expected this, yeah, this open field with a racetrack in it. And then you get there, and there's, I mean, it's in the middle of a East Coast forest, like, which we should have expected. That's not what people told us. So, so rolling in there, the miles leading up to the track, we're just through these rolling hills, you know. Up and down, and up and down. You notice those things more maybe when you're pulling a trailer or in an RV or something like that. But Easton just kept saying, there's elevation here. Yeah. Why is there no elevation at the track? There's elevation here. And when we got there, there was absolutely elevation at that track. I don't, I don't have the numbers, but... I don't know. I mean, it... we, we we pointed out there's more elevation there than there is at Roebling. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's more elevation there than there is at Utah Motorsports Campus, which is in the Rocky Mountains. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's in the it's area right, of... right next to them. Yeah, it's right next to them. They're pretty mountains in the background, but the track's flat. Yeah. PIR is flat. There's more there than Arizona Motorsports Park. More than Arizona. I mean, yeah, it's got got a lot of elevation. I mean. If you compare it to the ridge, there's no elevation. Yeah, or even, you know, I went down to Atlanta. I know you haven't been there yet, but there was a lot there. Uh, Thunder Hill, lots of elevation at Thunder Hill. Like, there's right. definitely tracks that have more elevation than Carolina Motorsports Park, but I wouldn't go there and say it's all flat. Yeah, it shouldn't be. It's interesting why that's something that just kept coming up and up and up yeah. because it doesn't deserve that. The only thing I think that my head was going to is that I don't remember any blind turns. Yeah, the closest thing you got to a blind turn was probably turn three. Yeah, but that's... But it really was, I mean, it was really the corner tower that was blocking your view of the other side of the corner. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't created by... And it wasn't hard to navigate. It wasn't, like, blind until you get out of it. I mean, like we said, so we, we've done a review already on the racetrack. That'll be coming out in a couple weeks, but we're going to repeat a little bit of that here today, I think. But like you said in that review... It's very predictable, or mm -hmm. not necessarily predictable, but it was like, we've done the first time at a racetrack quite a few times, and this one, both of us, I think, within the first two sessions, there was no question of, oh, yeah, that's right, this turn is here. It's just... Well, maybe we, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we started with first impressions. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so let, let's back this up just a little bit. All right, yeah, facilities and... So, yeah, okay. facilities and such, very... Uh, like you mentioned, nice bathrooms, nice tower. Cart track with lights. Cart track with lights. You, plenty of camping. I mean, we utilized the track day was full as track days go. The track day was full and the campground was utilized 15%. Maybe. Maybe. In the in the specific spot. That was what was kind of crazy too, though, is like there's there's so many options. Like you could you could park and just park. You could park and plug in. You could park and put your stuff under the garage and plug in there. You like, there's options everywhere. So one thing that's facilities, and, and we bring that up in the review also, but I'll touch on it here. One thing that's been interesting with East Track, East Coast tracks for me, mm -hmm. is grass. The lack of asphalt. A lack of asphalt. I don't know if I'd say a lack of asphalt. Just to compare to UMC, I always go back to Utah Motorsports Campus, but to compare to UMC, you're going to be parked in a parking lot. You're going to be camping in a parking lot. You're not going to see dirt while you're there unless you go off track. Yep. But the East Coast tracks I've been to with you so far are you're camping on grass. You're parking your bike potentially on grass. Yeah, or if not, you're like, so they all, not all of them, but the, the two that we've been to out here together both have, like, instead of having a big old parking lot pit, they have this, like, halfway road. And then all these squares in between the grass. So you can put your bike on the asphalt, but it's like on the edge of the road. Yeah, it's on it's kind of hard to the trail to travel. So yeah. you're not. So you can't just like take up a full canopy worth. Yeah, you see a lot of like canopies set up on the lawn right next to the asphalt. Bikes parked sideways outside the canopy. Uh, the tracks I'm used to going to, the canopy is on asphalt. You're parking. The canopy is more for the bikes than it is for the people. Yep. It was different in that way. So I would touch on that. The only negative for us is if that was if we were going to that track every weekend we'd probably learn all the ins and outs yeah. of that track and we did notice that there was a few people that were camped um, in like an rv section but they would have i'd call it a hot pit they would have just yeah. a, just a canopy down by the asphalt yep they were able to take their bikes down there yep yeah and i don't know if you had to pay for those spots we weren't there long enough to yeah i'm not sure i would imagine i don't know the, the weirdest part about doing something like that would just be like park your bike and then you're walking back if you want to hang out at the rv otherwise you're just kind of sitting over there right a little strange to navigate in that way i don't think that 
degraded our experience at all? No, not at all. But what we were left doing is parking the bikes at the RV and then there was some concern. We did two days. I know we've said that already, but the first day was a lot of weather. We got significant rain in the morning. It never really got hot there, uh, at least not by Carolina standards. It sure sure wasn't hot, but no. sun did come out. We had some good sessions and some good, you know, a dry track and all that. But for us being parked at the RV, we had to drive over 200 feet. Yeah, I'd say at least, yeah. At least 200 feet of sand, gravel, grass, sticks. Pine, pine needles. Pine needles. <laughs> And, you know, so you'd pull the warmers off and then, you know, you're trying to hit the track with a warm tire. And then, especially when it was moist and wet, you're driving through. Yeah. I will say, though, that never seemed to be an issue for either of us. For either of us, but we're going to get into that. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay, so that's the facilities. There you go. Keeping it on schedule here. All right. As far as, so we were with N2 track days, which is my second time with N2, might be your third. Second. Second time with N2, pretty typical track organization. I point out their their uh, website or their strong points for N2. Registration process. Yeah, let's do a quick review of N2. Sure. Not to cause any problems. Number one, N2, you're doing an awesome job with the website. For example, the first time we came out. It, so before we get there, because the first time, it was confusing at first. Yeah. The very first time I used it, I was like, what? And, like, you need a number. And I'm like, I don't have a number. Mm. Apparently, that's confusing to people why you wouldn't have a number on your bike. But uh, for yeah. just track, they go. Anyway, we don't need to get caught up on that. But it was, like, a little confusing at first. But after using the system a second time, I'm excited to keep using it. Yeah, on our home tracks, you don't use a number. You don't typically use a number unless you're racing. Yeah. And so track days are going to be a third of the bikes are going to have numbers. Two thirds of them are not going to have numbers mm -hmm. somewhere in that mix. Like you stated, we come out here and they're like, what kind of moron doesn't have a number on their bike? Of course you should have a number on your bike. Right. The way I always say, for those that don't know, I always feel like I got to give a little bit of back for the people that don't go to so many different tracks, just to point out why it's different. So my home track, the, the tracks on the West Coast that we typically go to, you tell them what group you're in. Yep. You just call them up or get on the website and you register and you say, I'm an A rider, baby. You know, and they're, and they're usually A, B, or C. So C being the lowest group, A being the fastest group. You just pick which one you want. And if they see a problem on the track, they'll kick you off or they'll come suggest you move to a different one possibly. But there's no, you don't have to show them anything. Yep. At N2, everybody, no matter what, starts in the novice group yeah i think they do have a caveat where like if you want to send them your reasons reasons why or like so for instance if you've been riding at all these tracks and racing there and you have a race license and like proved lap times and you emailed that to them i'm sure that they would say yeah okay you you can ride here or they might still just be like now nah, we'll, we'll evaluate we'll you. evaluate you so you hear a lot about that in their riders meetings and all that kind of stuff we're going to evaluate you we're going to evaluate you and then we'll bump you. So when we did Roebling, we had to start in the novice group, which was terrible. Yeah, it was not fun. It was not fun. It was a simple track, and then you, they didn't allow you to pass anybody unless you were on a straight, and it it was miserable morning. It was a miserable... Yeah, I was just going to say, novice group only allowed to pass on a straight, especially at Roebling, where it's such a long, big straight. Novice riders, and I know because I've been there, are the guys that... Might not be as good on the track, but when they hit that straight on that 1,000 or that 600, man, this is my chance. I'm going to freaking rip it. And so you have, like, we were finding ourselves taking the last corner in all sorts of different ways just to get people and then saving my braking so late right. just to outbreak every. Like, I would, I would pass people on the outside coming into turn one, like, five or six at a time just because that was the only spot you could because you hit the straight and they're gone. They're riding, you know, R1s and whatnot. And technically, you weren't supposed to be doing that. Yeah, I, I didn't do that. <clears throat> Clean pass. We were both straight up and down. To end that portion on a good note, the, the good part of it was when Easton talked to me and said we were coming out here and we started making these arrangements, I was like, who's the track group we're riding with? And it was N2 track days. And I went, oh, no, I'm not going through that crap again. I'm writing them a letter 
I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to show them my race license. I'm going to, whatever it takes, but I am not doing that again. And when I hap, hopped on the website, mm -hmm. I was pleasantly surprised to see that we had been bumped up at Roebling and that's just going forward. Didn't matter what track. So we're bumped up. So it didn't matter. We got to start. Yeah. They have all, and like all your info saved, your bike, your bike number, your like, I don't even remember signing anything. There was a waiver when yeah but when you sign up you sign your waiver and that's it mm -hmm. and i'll say that that electronic process online there carried very well through tech and registration yeah at the facility yeah because with you know tech open at seven tech and registration we went over there you show up you've got like three or four people with their phones get your name say yep okay you're ready to go and for me like i've got you know we got a little sticker my windshield with my last name on it so she said brown I'm like yep and she's like she had seen my N2 intermediate sticker on there. So she went straight to intermediate group, found my name. There were like four Browns because it's a common name. It's like, yeah, this one. She's like, okay, cool. And and there we go. We were good to go. So that very streamlined process. I was going to say, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. They were very quick in the... Yeah, and it made it very nice for like, I don't know, kickstand on my bike. The amount of times that I've gone over somewhere and it's like, well, you got to register. And I'm like, well. Yeah, you got to like, push your bike over to a registration tent and yep. it's a paper clipboard. Yep. There's been a lot of times that it's like you ride over, you see that you have to get off the bike to do registration. So you end up riding back, walking over for registration, walking back, riding back over for tech. And then right, just because you don't have a kickstand. So this is a very nice process that way. There was no paperwork, no pens, no nothing for you the morning of. The only downside, I think, would be the uh, you got to take your gear. Not happy with that. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. A track day organization requires you to have gear, mm -hmm. right? Everyone knows, or you should know if you don't know. Well, you'll know after this. Gauntlet gloves, over the ankle boots, at least a DOT helmet. Usually, most places want ECE, right? Right. And then you don't always have to have leather, but you need a one piece or a two piece that zips together at least seventy-five percent of the way. That's like Pretty much the standard um, and then there can't be any visible holes anywhere on your leather so it's okay to have patches it's okay to have rash marks it's okay to have whatever just no visible holes so n2 specifically technically requires that you take your gear to tech with you so i'm a guy that doesn't want to get in his race suit until the last second yeah you still tech is typically before your riders meeting it could be two hours before you're actually before breakfast yeah before, like yeah, so it's a pain to put a suit on, go down there to show them that stuff. So uh, a lot of people are draping them over the bikes or you've got kids and wives and friends, family, whatever, running down there trying to help them carry some of the stuff. And in my opinion, it, it really, I've never seen anybody really check the gear, a quick glance, something like that. I think the biggest thing that I'm used to is like on your way out, with your group to ride, the people are kind of just watching, paying attention, right? They're walking down the line, like at the beginning of the day, they walk down the line and just kind of look over everyone and make sure everything looks good and there's nothing egregious there. And then also there's always just this, hey, is your is your helmet actually clipped, right? Always right. this thing. Yep. And that's what I'm actually used to, like when I see someone walking down the line, I'm so accustomed to that, that I just kind of do that now, yeah. So they can see, you look up and they can see that your helmet's clipped up. So, so in their defense, I don't know if it has something to do with insurance. Maybe it's a... Maybe it just has to do with the... The facilities. I know we're going to get into it, but... I mean, the weekend that we saw... <laughs> maybe they just don't trust anyone from their last event, whatever that was. They have the most extensive rider meeting that I've been to as far as length, mm -hmm. as far as thoroughness. Doubling up on information. Doubling up on information. So they always start... And they did this at Roebling, too, but they start with one... They start with one the, the whole group together talking, yep. and then they break into the individual groups and have a separate person go and basically reiterate the same thing you heard in the first part. They make you bring your clo the stuff up there. The tech is pretty dang thorough compared to, you know, some of them for sure. Yeah. And others. So that's great. So safest track day organization in the world, right? Should be. You would think. Should be. Should lend itself. They have more control riders on the. I mean, oh my gosh. Well, and their control riders aren't just, you know, we're used to seeing track marshals or coaches or whatever, but they, like, when we say control riders, we mean control riders. They send you out in a group and you're technically supposed to follow this guy and they talk about how, like, a, a control rider, you are not allowed to pass on the right. You have to pass on the left because of the way they, they usually look over their left shoulder so they don't want anyone blowing by them on the right. 
because you look over and the bike tends to drift to the right. Yep, which makes sense, that's fine, okay. But they basically, when they're explaining their situation, their whole plan, talk about how it's, uh, how do I say it? Like, the control riders know all. They know everything. Like, they're like, yeah, don't worry. Like, if someone's being slow and you just can't get around them, we'll pull them off. We'll, you know, so if we're telling you, you know, tap our tail, come follow us, and we pull you off the race line, it's because you're going a little slower and we need to get a group of people past you. And they're acting like no one could ride if they weren't out there, which is good and bad. I'm not personally a, a fan of it. I don't see a huge issue with it, but at the same time, there's a point where it's just a track day. Here's what I compare it to. Okay. When you're on the freeway and there's a cop, all, all of a sudden you come up and like all the traffic's starting to kind of ball up mm -hmm. because everybody was breaking the speed limit by eight and then they don't quite want to do that by the cop. So all that traffic builds up. Yep. So you see one of these guys in an orange shirt there. It seems like there's kind of a ball up because you're like, I don't know if I want to pass him. I don't know if left or right, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't know if I should be passing him. I don't, I'm not trying to make anybody mad. Yep. And so they got a little bit of a police officer. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And you're also, I mean, there's always that little bit of fear of like, if I pass this guy and he doesn't like the way I pass, is he going to, you know, come black flag me and take my, take my track day for the day? What it should mean is like, well, this guy's faster than me. <laughs> Maybe I should bump him up. But yeah. So unlike other control riders, you touched on that, but they look over the left shoulder a lot. I mean, yeah. th they are watching you. They're constantly looking behind them just over and over and over again. And then they'll flag you by mm -hmm. if you, typically if you'd stay right up on them. Yeah. You stay right up on them after a couple corners, they get out of your way and tell you to go. But there's just a lot of them. So we're painting this picture of a track day org that's. They check all your gear. They check all your gear. They got very organized website. They've got control riders times 10. Their meetings in the morning, they have two of the same meeting, but split either for everyone all at once. And then they split and do the same meeting again. But broken down individually. And if you're there for two days, you don't get out of it on the second day. You yeah, still go through all that again. Yeah, possibly one of the most organized, well put together track day organizations we've seen. And uh, so how does that play in the real world? How does it lead to like where? So what kind of outcome do you get <laughs> on the racetrack? So so what we just explained should be the, the safest. Mm -hmm. And 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 neither one of us are blaming N2. No, just not even a little bit. Not not even a little bit. It's just kind of funny the way it, the weekend worked out. I have never, I have, how many, I've done, I'm probably getting close to 100. Track days. Track days, or if you add the races, track days, you know, yeah. on track experiences or whatever. And I always make fun of Vegas because it tends to be a wreck fest. And I've asked you to come out and see it. And you're like, I don't know if I want to go there every because time, every time, time I go there, I crash. Every time I'm supposed to go with you and I can't make it for whatever reason, you come back, you're like, dude, check it out. There's a motorcycle in the back of my motorcycle. I'm like, <laughs> what? So so we, we go out there. And again, just one more time, not trying to bag on anybody. And I, I hesitate to want to say this story because, you know, we want to get everybody to go to the track. And so I don't like talking about this because I don't want to scare people away from it. But it was my first day at that track. I feel like I ran super respectable times. Mm -hmm. Same with you. And for for first time at the track, I'm not hanging my head. No way. Yeah. Day one, we had weather. There was rain for the first two sessions for sure. There was rain. It was wet in the third still. Yeah, it was cold mostly. It was it was a little off. But we had how many red flags on day one? Nineteen. Nineteen red flags. So that's out of three sessions per hour, seven hours total, 21 total sessions, 19 red flags. 19 red flags. And there can be two per session, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a couple sessions that were clean, a couple. There were other sessions that had two red flags in a 20-minute session. Very quick to pull red flags. They are, yeah. And so that, I want to dig into that because is that a racetrack-specific thing or is it N2? Or is it Carolina Motorsports Park? Because here, so when, when I went to Atlanta Motorsports Park, I, I put my Aprilia down and I was out of the crash zone, but I couldn't get behind the tire wall because there was no room behind the tire wall. So I was just standing over by the tire wall, right? I went over to my bike, quickly turned it off and immediately ran back over the tire wall, found the fly guy, said, hey, I'm good to go. I got it everything I should do. And I just kind of sat there. And then I was like looking at the fly guy and he was looking at me and I was like, this is awkward. 
And then he just, I see him turn around, hit his radio, and then red flag. And I was like, okay, I, all right. So I don't know if he realized like, hey, if someone else crashes here, I'm probably, but he could have just told me to move. I felt kind of bad at the end of the day, whatever. So let's give the extreme examples. So Thunderhill, yeah. if you crash first session, first lap, your bike stays where it lands until lunch. They yeah. do not, you're just- You're done. Whether you could fix the bike or not is not an argument. That bike just stays there. Mm -hmm. And you race or do your track day all day with bikes scattered all across the grass until yeah. lunch. And then the truck runs out and grabs them. Yeah. Well, the ridge was the same way. Not till lunch, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, glad I didn't crash there. Yeah, the, at the ridge, it was, but you didn't you didn't get red flagged unless you were, like, unless they needed to run an ambulance. If they had to run an ambulance, they would red flag it. Otherwise, yeah. nope. Someone will, someone will come by, pick you up on the back of their bike, and you ride in with them, do the ride of shame, and then at lunch, they'll come bring your bike by. So. Gotcha. But they get it out of there. Yeah. Thunderhill just left it. Well, no, they, they don't. They go at lunch to go pick them all up. Right. They'll like move them off. They'll go up and move them off to the side, gotcha. put them up against a guardrail gotcha. or something. But. So that's the extreme one way. Yeah. And this is the extreme the other way. If a bike goes down, the red flag just came out. It wasn't. Pretty much. That's what it felt like. I don't know if that's what they were actually doing, but 19 red flags in one day, guys. It was. It was a little weird because, so we had a, a beautiful shot of turn one, two, and three where we were camped, like perfect you could see him come around the straight or come down the straight just at the end turn right into turn one and turn one happened to get a lot of people for whatever reason that might be but there were definitely some people that were being real dumb um there was one guy that we got real mad at he drove off of turn one and then put his bike down so he like drove off almost stopped and then for whatever reason dropped the bike probably because he was in the sand i'll give him that that's fine whatever for whatever reason he needed to drive off okay then tries to pick the bike up, eventually gets the bike picked up. So he's sitting here technically still in the crash zone, and we're like, this is our one chance to maybe not get a red flag on some of the wrecked. Not to correct you, but those are two different situations. The guy that drove clear off in the dirt, he went and stood by the flagger after he set it down in the dirt. It was earlier in the, the other, day. The other, yeah, you're right. The guy okay. that hit the big puddle. Yeah, big puddle. No, because that was the first guy. Yeah, but he, ran, he was the one that irritated us. He, so they tell you in the driver's meeting, they used to have a one try pickup rule. Yeah. Like you could reach down and try to pick your bike up once, but if you didn't get it right up, then get the hell away from it. Yep. That guy tried multiple times, went and hunched down and checked out the damage on his bike, and he was literally four feet off of yeah. the track. There was another guy there that I'm thinking of that put his bike down and then picked it back up and then put it on the kickstand. Put it on the kickstand and left it there, yeah. yeah. It was like... That was that same guy after a while. He was out there for a long, long time and couldn't get it there. And then he eventually picked it up, put it on the kickstand, and then walked Maybe away. Well, okay. And yeah. then he walked clear down by... To be fair, there were so many red flags there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so out of 19 crashes, there was probably 10 of them were in that corner. Probably at least, yeah. yeah. 10, of them in, 10 of them in that corner right in front of us. But out of those 10, I'm, I, didn't, I didn't tally it up and keep track. But it felt like, it felt like the majority of those 10 mm -hmm. were on lap one out lap yep and i just don't understand how people just kept crashing in the same spot session after session i was going i was going through it you were going through it yeah we've never been there before nope these people coming out there and they're just zoom, zoom. Yep. you'd hear it too you'd see them come in and <laughs> we would pull up to go out for our session you would get in a line and the red flag would come out before you even got on the track yeah literally like we were we were going later and later, and at one point I got up there, and immediately the guy's just doing this, you know, hands across the neck, like, nope, just just shut him down. I'm like, what? I just got here. And again, to point out one more time, maybe two more times, we're not trying to talk bad about N2 at, at all, but I've never been to a track. 19 sessions, I would have not got a lap. Yep. If there was 19 red flags at any other track, I wouldn't have got a lap. Yep. These guys were able to not only red flag it 19 times, but pick the bikes up, get them off the track, get it restarted, like just boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I got was, plenty of riding. It was quick. Yeah, it was quick. It was impressive. Like there were only, what, three instances, two for sure, maybe three where it was like the red flag that we're used to where you come in, session's over for sure. Might take even longer than that. And there was one that involved a helicopter in that one. Yeah, there was a helicopter involved. Yeah, that, yeah. Didn't, that didn't. Hope he's okay. 
I did too, yeah. So that was day one when the rain. So we move into day two. Mm -hmm. Nice warm weather. Nice warm weather. Not, not warm, but sunny. The sun's out. Sun makes you feel right. Sun's yep. out, guns out, all that. It's the track all warmed up. There's no wet. So we were we were so ready. We're like, today's the day. Yesterday yep. was a fluke. Today's the day. Yep. You get the leathers on. You go through 17 driver's meetings. You go through all this stuff. And at the driver's meeting, you know, we break off into driver's meeting two with the <laughs> intermediate group. And he's like, all right, intermediate group, they gave me intermediate today. So we're not going to have any red flags. You know, we're going to be better than those, like those racers and whatever. No red flags for us. Advanced group goes out. No red flags. No red flags. We're like, one. sweet. Novice group, red flag. Shit. No. What? Nope, novice didn't have one either. Oh. So First it was session, us? yeah, it was just us. Yeah. So <laughs> that was the best part. <laughs> so we're like, all right, let's roll. Get on the bikes, head on down there. Guy's already telling it to shut it off. Cause red flag before we could even get through the line to get on track. And then we had another one later in the session, I believe. Yeah, and the day kind of, it wasn't as bad as the first day with the weather, but it, it was still like a red flag. It was, I'd say the afternoons were equivalent. The, the morning wasn't as bad because there wasn't rain there to mess people up, but the afternoons were... It's just a red flag fest. Yep. So luckily, like we said, I only saw an ambulance roll a couple times. There was one helicopter incident. Last we had heard that gal be okay. The only reason, it's all just hearsay, but the only reason the helicopter came out was because of the progression of things. Better safe than sorry, grab a helicopter. So the last thing I'll say about the crashing, they did great cleaning it up, red flags, getting you back on track, but this is a lead in. When you're chasing a lap time, when you're there to chase a lap time, it's just so frustrating because those things, you know, you go out, at least for me, you go out and the first lap's this fast and you're, you're picking up speed, you're picking up speed, you're picking up speed, you're hoping you're, you're clearing traffic, you're trying to get clear track, red flag. Yep. Even though they got you back off and right back on again quickly. It takes you a second. To now you're trying to ramp up again. Yeah. And maybe you've got new traffic in front of you that you're trying to clear and and so it, it and a checkered flag and then checkered flag you know and then you come around and so we have lap timers and they have aim solos i'm sure a lot of people are familiar but they have the dots that show you know if you're on a good lap bad lap but yeah it's got your your time in the middle but on the side is this like little almost like load bars yeah. you know like loading and it'll be green or red and more of that color means you're doing better or worse so there was three four occasions at least on that day when there would be a red flag there would be something come around go i only got time for like two more laps i got to push this and i'd be coming around on the last lap full green and now it's checkers yeah i had that happen at least once if not a couple times also which is a real pain because that track specifically the way the sectors are broken down the sector in the middle at least for me was like real easy to lose time so i could get through the first sector with you know, four full green bars and then come to the second sector and I'm down to one green and I'm like, oh man, I got to pick it up. And then it would always feel like I'd get to back to full four green, you know, four all green, ready to go. This is going to be amazing. Maybe down a second or more. And then a checkered flag right there. Like I look down, I'm like six, let's go. Oh. All right. Yep. Okay. Time to come in. Overall track. I mean, we're going to get back into them times here. Well, let's do the times now. Times. So... We told people, and before we get too far into this podcast, I told people I was going to put the times at the bottom of the screen. True. Yep. So we better get those times out there. Yep. But I also want some opinions from you. Okay. Some hard, personal opinion. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Trying to build up. Yeah. Trying to build up. So we each tried this track with three different bikes. True. We each, at least a session, right? Mm -hmm. So we had the FZ6R. See, I can remember without looking at it. Yeah, yeah. The FZ6R on track. We each did a session. Watch for some reviews of that coming up. Yeah, absolutely. And then we both had our jixers. Let's just knock the FZ6R out real quick. So you got a, what, 214, I think? 214. So non-lap timers. We just had... The wives. Yeah, wives in the pits with the phone. So take it for what it's worth, but whatever. 214 there, 217 for me. Uh, I think I got the higher top speed, though. Again, well, just uh, just eyeballing down. Come on, no. So so I did 107, and you did 116 or 117. 116, yeah. 117 on the back straight. It wasn't even on the straight for me. It was actually going into the back straight. Oh really? Mm -hmm. 
you were using the downhill. Mm -hmm. It's, I'm not taking anything away from you for that, but it's pretty funny because uh, earlier you guys maybe, maybe or maybe not heard us talk about, we, we did the little Husqvarna in, yeah. in Utah and, yep. and we've got 100 pounds between us, 70 pounds between us. 60, yeah. And headed headed down the straight. I mean, the Husqvarna, I think you were almost 10 miles an hour faster than me on that. Something like that, yeah. And that was the perimeter, so you had just all day to hold it. Yeah. And uh, so it's interesting because the Yamaha, you're about 10 miles an hour faster on that, too. Yeah. Going down the straight. And I think I had a floor. I mean, I got arthritis, but I'm trying. <laughs> so anyway, back to the Yamaha. So pretty comparable times. Yeah, uh, reasonably for new track, new bike. So weirdly, I had a red flag in my session. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I yeah, did. That was, that was the one that was freaking me out because you go out on this brand new bike that we showed up, taped it, <laughs> checked tire pressures. We're like, yeah, we think it's good. All right. <laughs> and so you go out and I showed up a little bit behind you and there's a red flag. And I'm like, and then remember, everybody's gone. crashing. Yeah. Everybody's crashing. So, yeah. So I, I did an outlap. And a red flag lap, mm -hmm. and then came back in, got back in line again, and by the time we went back out, that was a little bit longer red flag. I think by the time we got back out, I got maybe three. I got an out lap, maybe one clean lap, and then it was a checkered flag lap. Yeah. So I probably only did five. That was the first session of the day. First so. session of the day. I think you got a full session. Yeah. On that. Yeah, I think I came in a lap early um, because of a certain issue that we won't talk about. It was kind of getting in my head so i was like you know what i've done my time this done is my great time. and i enjoyed it but i'm yes, not gonna sir. <laughs> I'm not gonna risk that anymore Check. So. so that was that bike and you'll see some videos coming up on that great bike we don't need to get into that here and then if we, you want it though you know comment below yeah comment <laughs> below go check out the youtube channel for more info on the fz6r so we both had our jixers there we obviously did most of the time on our own jixers but we did have the opportunity to switch for a session yeah he wanted to try out the rocket ship and try out the rocket ship and i'm pretty sure i got a red flag in that session actually i know i did i know i did because yeah that was the one that we were sitting around because i know i did because we went out together but you ended up in a different line than me mm -hmm. they sent me out and i did the warm-up lap and there was a red flag that one also luckily i so i was watching everyone come across because i got up there right as they red flagged it I was like, don't tell me he went out and like wrecked my bike right away too. <laughs> like, come on, man. I know he wouldn't do that. But. Well, I, I think what was funny is I did I did the lap, came in for the red flag, and they still sent me out before yeah. you on the next time because yeah. I waved at you again. As yeah, the, it was real weird. They had two rows, but everyone kind of figured it out too because eventually everyone was just on that outside row. There were like three people on the inside yeah. one. But they're like, yeah, we're in two rows, but your fast guys need to be on the outside, slow guys on the inside. Um, and so they would just send the one row the whole freaking thing before they ever sent the other one so yeah no matter when you got there yep. and i noticed i mean paying attention towards the end of the day it took me two days to figure it out but that my last session when i went out when i was riding with all the coach guys mm -hmm. i was late getting there and there was no row so i was embarrassed to try to like jump all the way to the front i thought it felt it felt rude because everybody was gone when i got up there yeah and I knew that guy would just send me if I pulled up there. So I went back behind, and then I was sitting there looking, and Stefano Mesa was in that line waiting because he wanted clear track. So they were trying to help set him up. Mm -hmm. And then there was a couple 400s and some of the slower bikes that were out there in that group. They were waiting, trying to give them clear track so they didn't interfere. And then I ended up getting, yeah, that ended up screwing me over. But that's beside the point. Yeah. <laughs> Where were we? So trading bikes. So times we talked a lot about times. So I want the reason I, I want your perspective. I want your. We're gonna list the times. So we finish the day. We can just put the times out, and then you can put them down. And then let's talk about it. Sure. So I ran a best of one five zero point two five, and you ran a best of one five six point oh one, and those are now at the bottom of the screen. Yeah. Moving forward for the rest of the conversation, as promised. So, what was your opinion of times? How that went? What did it go the way you thought? Um. So you, I mean, your times are getting better and better. It was taking me longer to do that. The first day was kind of interesting. 
Um, cause I'll say the first day I did like a 159.8 something. And then that first session of day two, like I came out and did a 158.8 on like the second lap. And I was like, all right, well that's good. Because that first day was real weird with the rain and the cold and then all the red flags and all just strange day. So let's, um, let, sorry, let's, let's break that down a little bit. Cause that's kind of what I want to get into. This is, uh, you're going where I want you to go. This is what's interesting to me. So day one. Mm-hmm. Day one, I was at a 153, 152. I thought you got a four on day one. I don't remember. I think I ended at a high 153. Okay. At 153.9 on, on day one. And there needs to be, I guess the other thing needs to be said. Sorry, it sounds like I'm being mean. But the, the, the thing I, that needs to be said is I ran six 150s mm-hmm. on, on the day, right? I ran six 150 point something whether it's yeah on that last session yeah on that last session but even like the numbers drop down and then it was consistently that where i can confidently say that's that's where i'm at yep and you touched on it and i'm not trying to pick on you but just hitting a track new track let's roll you already said it but it took you longer to come yeah in yeah absolutely took you longer to ramp up yeah because yeah i never even I wouldn't say I fully ramped up. There was still, like, at the end of the day, there were still plenty of spots where I knew, like I, like I told you, I was following people and we were all kind of doing the same line, but there were only, like, one or two corners that I was like, yep, that line is good. I have the right line here. The rest of them, I was like, there's got to be either more speed, different right. line, different entry, I'm entering way too early, whatever it might be. Never quite got there on most of the corners on that racetrack, so. it's just It's just always interesting to me. Like, I hit a... I went out that last session, mm-hmm. chasing a 149. All I wanted to do was break 150. Yeah, but you get to it's like drag racing. It's like everything. We say it all the time. But you you start here. I think my first lap out there in the rain or in the wet. You came in after that first session at a 204. Yeah, but there were two 13s on the timer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think my my very first lap. Well, I think my first lap was like a 301. <laughs> <laughs> Or something like that. I don't remember. No, we're on slicks, and it was still yeah. It, it was it was it was, it was still moist, and it was cold. Very the cold. visor was fogging up. There was no sun, so that was like the worst part. Is that like it rained? The rain stopped, and the track started to dry up. But there was a a KTM down the road from us, or whatever. And I went over and talked to him because he was an advanced group, and I had seen him go out and then come back in. And I was like, hey man, you know how was it out there? Because he was on slicks, and he's like. I, I'm just going to wait till after lunch. I was slipping around way too much. And I was like, <clears throat> okay, that's not, not ideal. Cause he's on a, you know, a little 390. It's got to be easier to. Yeah. To you would think this. there's yeah. not enough power. So we didn't, we could have tried some different things to try to run, you know, in the, even in the wetter conditions, but we were on full slicks and too lazy to switch them. Honestly. Too lazy to switch. And then knowing that we would switch back later. Yeah. Knowing that we have two full days, just save it. Just finishing with the times. I, I think, you know, there's more more time out there for both of us, obviously. But I needed to get that out of the way to say that for from a track, for me, this is about, the, the reason I'm bringing up the times like that is, so it my whole second day, I felt way faster. I kept, you know, the weather was better, the everything. And I gained two, three, even if we call it four seconds on day two. Compared to what you gain on day one. Day one, you combine, com, you, you gain this giant chunk, mm-hmm. and then you kind of find the bottom. But for me, I think at that one, uh, one fifty four, the track is for overall figured out. Yeah, it's and, just dialing stuff in, adding more speed. Yeah, it's dialing, adding speed or whatever. But the the basic lines of the track or whatever that's figured out, and to be able to do that in a couple sessions. Mm-hmm kind of speaks to the simplicity of the track yeah i would agree with that my times might not have reflected that but there have been times we've gone to other tracks and thunder hill for instance thunder hill is not an easy track to learn right and those blind turns halfway through the day you find yourself taking like let me try a little bit different line you need to try and you're like nope oh, okay <laughs> nope <laughs> can't do that one i gotta go back because you're thinking you're like i know this line works but it doesn't feel fast let me try something else and you try a different line and then it just doesn't work right so there there are definitely other tracks that will still surprise you um this is definitely not one of those right absolutely not so 
Yeah. Pretty simple, but fun. It is fun. I mean, it's... I enjoyed it. The simplicity of it kind of makes it awesome. Because it's just what you would expect a racetrack to be. Uh, left, right, left, right, left, straight, left, right, left, right, straight, you know. And I, I said I wasn't going to bring it up again more than two more times, but we didn't crash. Yeah, true. We, we didn't crash on driving bikes we've never driven before, driving a track we've never driven. I mean, we were yeah. switching bikes. We were doing all. I don't know what you people were doing. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what was going we on. We were driving over the grass and the rocks and the. Hell, my freaking brakes locked up halfway in the middle of a turn. Yeah, and I almost pulled everyone the Vegas on you. <laughs> everyone almost wrecked into the back of me because my brakes locked up out of nowhere. I'm getting new brakes, by the way, before we hit Podium Club next week. Don't worry. <laughs> but um, they just locked up in the middle of a turn. I didn't put it down. No one put it down behind me. So since we're, then, since we're back on crashing again, I had a person completely low side in front of me um, there were two or three bikes between me and that bike, but we were all in a pile. First lap, corner two. Guy's like, Poof. Yeah, then, that's right. Yeah, because that was the one that I showed up after and we were already red flagged. Oh, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> guys, I mean, and he's rolling on the asphalt and I had to drive around him. One guy jumped off the side and hit the... I'm like, biking for a bit. Yeah, I'm like, what are you doing? But then the helicopter incident, I mean... Yeah, that was, so the guy that went off in the helicopter... That was in front of you. Was, Yeah, he had passed me earlier and had some smoke coming out of the back of his bike. And it looked just kind of like a tire was rubbing or something. And just a little bit of smoke smelled rubbery. And as we kept going, it kept building more. And he passed like three corner stations. So I was like, they've got to be seeing this. And then I come up to a corner and I just saw, as I was coming up to it, there's a big old cloud of dust and smoke and motorcycle in the air. So. Well, the, the other, that guy... That guy, when I drove through there, I mean, that was, there was a lot of bikes still on track. I don't know if that's because of the shape of this track or, but. I don't know. But there was four or five bikes that were on track, you know, multiples that I had to drive around mm -hmm. during those. Not that it was hard or anything, just, just saying the shape of the track. It's not very often that a track gets left on Utah to always go back to what you're used to, right? It's not. No matter where you crash, that bike's kind of off track. Sliding off, yeah. Sliding off, but this yeah, one... That's, that's what was weird, too, is it felt like a lot of the spots that people were crashing were slow-speed spots. There wasn't a lot of crazy high speed. In fact, I think the one with the helicopter might have been one of the few where he was coming into a turn, and um, from what it looked like, he never made his brakes and just bend it. So that's a, I'd say you're going in there at 100-plus easily if not 120 plus, depending on what you're doing. There are definitely some spots on that track where you're leaned over well over 100 miles an hour, and you're just like, I mean, you kind of mentioned it yesterday. Like, what? What am I doing? Well, yeah, what are we doing out here? <laughs> like, It's you, fun. When you look down, you see, you see the ground so close to you. And then, like, for me, I, I usually, and this is real bad, but I look over at, like, the trees and the, the bank, and then I, as I'm crossing back over to the track, as I'm trying to refocus, I catch my speed, and then I'm like, like speedo is, say, like, 135. I'm like, uh, if <laughs> anything could happen right now. Anyway. Good times. Um, but, yeah, it's fun. That's why we do it, right? So, right. so what's, your, what's your closing thoughts on that track before we move to some MotoGP news? Um, I'm excited to go back. Excited to go back. I think... Uh, it was a great place to go. I haven't been on the Jixer in over six months, so it was nice to get back on the Jixer, get some laps going again. I haven't really been on a bike since July, so there's that too. Yeah, it was great. Great warm-up for, for Arizona coming up. I like that it's... I wish it was a little closer um, because I'd, I'd be going there as often as I could. If it was like an hour drive or less, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a little bit further away from me, but close enough. Definitely better than Roebling. Gonna go back for sure. Gonna try and figure out how the best way to set up a pit there is, or what the best way is. Yeah, see where I can where I can improve. And next time I come out here, you're taking me to Atlanta Motorsports. Yeah, we will go to Atlanta Motorsports Park. Atlanta Motorsports Park. Yes. Fun track, especially for small bikes. Yep. Yeah, I want to do that one. The only thing you won't like about it is long left turn in the back that you get a shift in. It's really hard to shift in a turn with a normal shift pattern. A lot of people ship their bikes to GP shift for that track. So, we'll anyway. See. My closing thoughts on the track. It had to be fun. It had to be a good time because I told you yesterday, 
the way I gauge things is you can be tired, beat, don't know that you can turn the throttle on a bike any longer. You know, you're just done. Don't want to ride anymore. If you get in the truck and before you make it out of the parking lot, you're already wishing you had another session. Mm -hmm. It must have been pretty fun. Yeah, you come back from a session, you're like, all right, that was it. I'm, I'm good. And then you're packing up and you put the bike in the trailer and you're like, we doing another day? <laughs> Give me a night of rest and we're good. All right, well, let's talk about, let's move this conversation to... Finish with some MotoGP real quick and then call it a call it an episode. Yeah. Well, the the title of the episode, hopefully you guys saw, was a, a weekend of crashing. Um, something along those lines, anyway. The reason for that was mostly Carolina Motorsports Park, you know. And first day, 21 sessions, 19 red flags. Yep. Um, second day, a little bit less than that, but not a whole lot. We weren't impressed on the second day by the number of crashes. So, uh, And then we... On the way home, he threw on the race and got the results of that, which I think there were six or seven DNFs. Yes, it was It was not good. I mean, you had the usual suspects, of course. I yeah. Mean, Joanne Mirror. Yeah, sure. Finish. Yeah, all the Hondas, you know. Yeah. Mark Marquez didn't finish. Uh, there was one very large one. I don't know if you want to dive right into that, but uh, very large on the This One Matters scale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's dive right into it. Jorge Martin. The leader of the championship. The leader on of the Saturday. championship. After all year, finally yeah. claws himself back in. By a, by a decent amount, too. Yeah. He was, uh, what, 15 points up? Yeah. Well, it got to be, it or, was his. No, eight. eight he was eight, but it was, they were showing live timing during the race, and it, it kept showing. I mean, he had the potential to be 18 coming out of that. But he did something he's always done. Yep. I mean, that's not the first time he's been leading a race by a lot and decided to. Just keep pushing. The announcer said three seconds, but I think the last time I seen it was it was high threes. I mean, he was. Yeah, I thought it was in the fours. The the announcer right after the crash says he just gave up a three second lead, but it was closer to four. I I can't I can't lie and say I wasn't happy to see it. <laughs> so the only reason I'm not excited about it was uh, it's going to go back to fantasy like it's like a say because I I don't like Jorge. I don't know that I like Bagnaya either. Um, Part of me is actually kind of hoping Jorge wins it because then we can just get another different one next year and we'll just keep going and not have a one amazing guy for a while. We'll see. But um, Jorge was on my fantasy this week and I had to drop Bagnaya. And, you know, you have to go at least one week without the person. So I didn't have Bagnaya. So I was really hoping he would wreck this week, right. lose some money, and Jorge would give me some points, whatever, and then I'd get Bagnaya back next week. But that... uh. Unfortunately, kind of the opposite of that, which is okay. Still doing all right on that front, but yeah, what a what a weekend though. You know, take the take the championship because you got the sprint, so you're up for literally for 24 hours. You are the championship leader. Uh, what he's been hunting down, fighting for all year, all season, whatever, and then it's not like he wasn't going to win that race. I mean, you said a three, even three seconds, whatever, but we think it was closer to four, a three or four second lead like that. You don't just Typically. Yeah, typically. unless you unless you wreck, which people have done that before. He's not the first one in history. Tires but... go away, things like that. But typically, you can start taking that relatively easy. Yeah, you start to kind of slow back a little bit and and just hold it there. You get you get that far ahead, and you don't have to keep pushing. You can just hold that far ahead for the rest of the race. But he didn't do that. He did not do that. And then Maverick Vinales uh, was in second place. Looked like he had that handled. Mm -hmm. But well, he was in yeah. He was in second. Jorge crashes, promotes him to first. It looked like he had it handled because he was a long ways out. And then, long behold, Bagnaya just keeps chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And the most surprising thing was Fabio Quattraro. Yeah. Well, so I put him on my fantasy this week. So wasn't that surprising for you? For whatever reason, I'd, I'm not a predictor of the future, but I was like, hang on a second. He did pretty good last week. I need someone that will give me some points. He'll probably do okay. I was hoping for a top 10, wishing for a top 5, and I got a top 3. So what can so, I say? So there was a lot of crashes in that race mm -hmm. that helped some of these riders get into the positions yeah. that they were in. But uh, at the end of the day, Bagnaya did start 13th. Yeah. He did come all the way up to the front. I can't remember. I can remember races in recent history where you had the top two bikes fighting. 
But this was the top three bikes fighting. I, I don't. I can't remember that. Not that close, at least. Yeah, not like that in, for a while. In recent, recent races. Usually it's been a two, three, four. To be honest, Jorge Martin's been having his super weekends yep. for a while now. So, But Bezecchi, remarkably come back from fractured collarbone mm -hmm. and didn't miss a race and finished good. And with, with Martin crashing, I don't think he has a shot at you know, taking that spot, but it definitely closed that gap as well. A little bit. I was looking at the points, and he he's still under 300. So he's, what, 270-something? Mm -hmm. And they're both up in the 320s-ish. So mm -hmm. technically not out of contention, because if they both wreck the rest of the races, then he could take it. That's what's kind of insane about this season, though, is that we're just still... I haven't got a chance. We've both been on the road. I haven't got a chance to dig in yeah. to some of the things, but yeah. Brad Bender... Gets mm -hmm. taken out by Alicia Asparagus in the sprint. Correct. Yep. Brad Bender comes back and starts smashing into Alish on this race. Gets a long lap penalty for bouncing off of somebody. Luca Marini. Luca Marini. Yep. Gets a long lap penalty. Comes back out. Tries passing Miguel Oliveira and just smashes him off the track. Um, parts coming off, you know, all that stuff. Gets a... Anyway, does his long lap penalty. There was enough attrition in this race. He still finished fifth, I believe. I thought, yeah, fifth or sixth. I thought he was sixth and Jack was seventh. But Jack had a good day. Brad had a good day. Uh, Jack graciously let everybody know that he crashed coming into pit lane. Um, they didn't really get it on camera. So when he was asked about it, he he, he let them know. He, uh, after the race. so Graciously. Graciously. Say. Yeah. Well, even the announcer said, we wouldn't have even known that if you wouldn't have told us, so thanks for being open and honest. Because <laughs> the camera seemed to pan back and he was picking it up. Mm. He was just over there, probably, you know, doing stoppies. Yeah. Just yeah. just saying. But good old Jack. all in all, it's a good race, and we're going into a tear. We're going to Australia. That's, is that this weekend? I believe so. Okay. They're always a fun race. Mm -hmm. Always a fun race. Yeah, Australia is a beautiful Beautiful circuit, uh, more than other tracks. Count on the wildlife to be a little bit of a yeah, yeah, and have as, some fun out there. As a like track, that. you know, people always say the facilities suck, but I don't got the money to travel over there, so I don't care what the facilities look like as long as the track's smooth and the yeah, well, the, and, and the bikes go around. It's right on the ocean. Beautiful, beautiful spot for a racetrack. Yep. Um, and all the all of the old riders loved Australia. Like most of the guys that aren't there anymore, and Mark. So, I don't know if that is true anymore. I think I think it's got to be. A lot um, of people still look forward to it. But I know it's like it's smaller. You'll you'll see if you watch the race this weekend, you'll see that they have a lot more laps than some of the other tracks, and they've got a lot shorter lap times. So it's a smaller track, a little more technical. And I've kind of wondered if that'll start to fade away with these, you know, big, high power, crazy speed machines you see a future with just oval tracks maybe <laughs> maybe i don't know oh uh, yeah the bikes will have this giant wall on the left side of them and spring cars they'll put a they'll put comms in the helmets no i don't think i don't think it'll go that far but australia will be a good time uh the championship just keeps wide open yep keeps going insane um it wide open between those game. two yeah it's really just who can keep their composure uh, we kind of thought that Jorge had it after Bagnaya wrecked because Bagnaya's been seeming like a robot, and then he put it down, and we're like, ooh, okay, maybe not a robot. And then Jorge put it down, so it's like, well, okay. So that's kind of just, I think, whoever can keep their, their head in the game at this point, especially right now. It is so close now that it's just... It could go back and forth five yeah. more times. It'll, yeah. be, it'll be fun to watch. Yep, absolutely going to be a good, good yeah. rest of the season. So. so what do we got coming up? We've got... So we checked out Carolina Motorsports Park. We're going to get those stickers on the trailers. And then in two weeks, under two weeks, a week under, and a half. Under two weeks, I'll see we'll you be, again. Yep, we'll be down in Arizona. Casa Ground. Yeah, probably less trees, more desert. We'll see about elevation. That'll be the, the <laughs> test. We've heard rumors of dump trucks and heavy equipment making it so that there was elevation in this desert. So we'll see how that compares to the non-elevation of Carolina Motorsports Park. If you haven't gone to Carolina... Uh, be watching for our track review. We're going to start doing track reviews. Uh, hopefully you guys like that. If you don't, let us know. But 
We're going to start doing those, kind of trying to fill a spot on YouTube we think is missing. And if you haven't been to Carolina Motorsports Park and it has anything to do with people saying it's boring, go. It's worth it. Yeah. 100% worth your time. It might be a little short. I'll give you that. But it's not boring. If anything, that just kind of helps keep it up the whole time. So there's no crazy long straight to just take. Yeah. Technically, it's not on. short. I mean, what do we say? It's 2. I think 2.2. 2.2 2 .2 miles? 2.1 I mean, or 2.2. That's pretty yeah. standard. Yeah. Not bad. So anyway. Okay. Looking forward to it. Thanks for watching. Please like, subscribe. Yeah. Throw us some comments down below, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you.